Welcome to The Thing About Austin, a podcast about Jane Austen's world. I'm Zan. And I'm Diane. And this episode, we're talking about Fordyce's sermons. We are back with Pride and Prejudice today, and the scene we are drawing from occurs soon after Mr. Collins arrives at Longbourn. I know you're all so excited. (laughs) He's trying to ingratiate himself to the ladies while Mr. Bennett watches on with bemusement, as he does. Mr. Bennett invites Mr. Collins to read out loud to the family after tea. And so here is the quote from the book. Mr. Collins readily assented and a book was produced. But on beholding it, for everything announced it to be from a circulating library, he started back and begged pardon, protested that he never read novels. Kitty stared at him, and Lydia exclaimed. Other books were produced, and after some deliberation, he chose Fordyce's sermons. Lydia gaped as he opened the volume, and before he had, with very monotonous solemnity, read three pages, she interrupted him. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've never noticed that very monotonous solemnity before that he's not just reading something boring he's reading it boringly right he's droning on (laughs) yeah i love that lydia's just like um no i've got other things to do (laughs) and also we should say if you heard that part about circulating library and you were like huh excuse me and you haven't listened to our (laughs) episode from last week go back and do that yeah this is almost like part two of circulating library exactly (laughs) a two volume novel there we go yes So, speaking of two volumes, (laughs) Fordyce's Sermons is actually titled Sermons to Young Women in Two Volumes and was originally published by the Reverend James Fordyce in 1766. So it consists of 14 different sermons specifically aimed at instructing women to be dutiful, submissive, and modest in behavior as well as dress. So just, you know, a couple of sample titles for these sermons. One was titled On Modesty of Apparel. Another one was on female reserve. And the third one I'll mention is on female virtue with domestic and elegant accomplishments. There are actually several of these sermons that are specifically like female virtue is part of the title. And so so he obviously had a lot to say on that topic. And so Fordyce himself was actually a minister in the Church of Scotland. And in 1760, he moved to London and became a really famous and popular preacher. And so as a result, his sermons to young women was also incredibly popular. And as an indicator of how successful the book was, a sixth edition of the book was published in the same year as the original, 1766, which is pretty staggering to think six editions of this book. They were just cranking them out. Yeah, in a single year. That's really quite impressive. And so the book was so wildly popular initially, and it sustained that popularity for about five years. But according to the British Library, By the early 1770s, the popularity of Fordyce's sermons started to decline, and by the end of the 18th century, they were seen as a bit old-fashioned, even though there were reprints that went well into the 19th century. So by 1814, Fordyce's sermons to young women had already gone through 14 editions published in London alone. So that's just kind of some of the publication history for that. And just for a little taste of his sermons... I want to read the summary from the British Library, which also includes some direct quotes from the sermons, because I think it really does a great job of showing what Fordyce was all about and some of the contradictions Mm -hmm. there. Fordyce instructs women to be dutiful, submissive, and modest in dress and behavior. Women should also be sensitive. The 
better kind of woman will melt into tears at the sight or hearing of distress. <laughs> at the same time, they should appear as elegant and attractive as possible since beauty is a gift from God. This emphasis on being attractive is at odds with Fordyce's belief in the importance of modesty. There's a contradiction in his depiction of the ideal woman. <laughs> I don't know what curator wrote that, but I just love that. <laughs> but, they're, but they're just like, yeah, this, this doesn't hold water. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, oh, okay. So just be a super hot, beautiful angel who never speaks, but apparently cries a lot. <laughs> but the crying also still has to be attractive, right? I mean, yes, like, exactly. cry attractively. You're sort of like gently weeping all the time, <laughs> you know, but in a really beautiful way. Yeah, these, these sermons obviously are problematic, obviously from, from our today's perspective. But even in the time period, these sermons were really kind of defining women as auxiliaries of men. Janet Todd really nails this when she says that Fordyce made women, quote, entirely contingent beings. And so she's basically saying their social behavior is really unimportant to a man in terms of how it reflects on, on him, right? How does the father, the brother, the suitor, the husband look when he's in social situations with this woman? So it's really kind of an impossible ideal that Fordyce is kind of pushing here. And Lucy Worsley in Jane Austen at Home says that Jane didn't care for his sermons. And I just love the way she puts it out there. Like, Jane, Jane didn't really care for his sermons. <laughs> yeah, just not, not really into it. And we should say that we are not trying to put down religion or those who are devout in any way. None of this discussion is meant as a broad critique. We are critiquing the opinions of this one man, particularly within the context of Pride and Prejudice. Because from what we know, Austen disagreed with a lot of what Fordyce had to say and was definitely using the character of Collins and his taste in reading materials to do some cultural commentary. And she also seems to be having fun with using Fordyce as a joke here, especially because it was such a well-known reference. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and Fordyce's sermons is an example, actually, of a conduct manual, which was a very specific and popular genre in the 18th and 19th centuries which covered everything from how to behave, dress, what to expect in courtship, you know, the, it goes on. Um, and they ranged from the kind of sermonizing, which we're getting here, to the more like sentimental, for example, those that really idealized romantic love. I mean, so you could, it ran the gamut, but conduct manuals were, were a hot genre. The advice books of the time, mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and definitely something that we are planning to get into in more depth in a future right. episode. So... Collins refusing to accept that Lizzie actually means no when she refuses his proposal right. later in the novel makes sense in light of the fact that his textbook for feminine behavior is something like Fordyce's sermons. It couldn't possibly be that Lizzie doesn't <laughs> want to marry him. She's just being right. bashful and modest as becomes a lady. <laughs> but that scene is such a great criticism of these kinds of writings mm -hmm. from Austen. Right. Ruth Bernard Yazel says in her great book, Fictions of Modesty, Austin gleefully sends up the familiar double talk of the conduct books, even as she devastatingly identifies such rhetoric with the demands of masculine vanity and the complacent assumption of power. Well, I mean, and this is something that we see in a lot of her other, almost all of her novels have some version of the line where it's like, just because a man likes a woman doesn't mean she's going to reciprocate, you know, and it's, and that's, and that's coming from this perspective of women are just meant to be this compliment to men. So obviously the men are a little bit, you know, there's head scratching going on here. Like, mm -hmm. why is she not falling at my feet? I don't get it. So knowing the publication history and the fact that the sermons had actually started to dip off pretty severely in popularity by the time Pride and Prejudice was published, we should definitely be reading into Collins's reading this selection and how out of touch his materials are. Obviously, I mean, he's out of touch because he doesn't know how to read the room. <laughs> 
but it's also really revealing in terms of what Collins's ideal woman is. It's it's hilarious because no one is less meek and submissive than Lady Catherine, and yet she is his ultimate woman. I mean, again, it's the contradictions. She's like on a whole other level. Right. She's a paragon up there. <laughs> but it is funny, you know, that he would place so much stock in something like Fordyce's sermons when really the person who he just loves to get all of his advice from is Lady Catherine. Right. It's not that type of personality at all. Although she would probably describe herself actually as somebody who is very modest <laughs> and very virtuous. She's the best at everything she tries to do, Diane. Obviously. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but this whole moment where Collins is just yes, I think I will read Fordyce's sermons aloud yeah. to all of you. I know you've all been sitting around thinking, you know what would be so fun? <laughs> <laughs> but you kind of have to love Lydia in this moment because she's not here for Collins's reading selection yeah. and just immediately interrupts him and starts trying to gossip with her mother about, you know, all the happenings with the regiment and Meriton. And it's funny because, you know, Lydia is often throughout the novel not necessarily portrayed as the most sympathetic character. I mean, I would say through a modern lens, She's 15. Right. There's a lot of allowances that need to be made for that. But in this moment, she is an extremely sympathetic character. And Isabel Grundy, in her piece on Jane Austen and literary traditions, says that Lydia Bennett is never more sympathetic than when she meets James Fordyce's sermons to young women with yawning and interruption. (laughs) She is doing in this moment publicly what everybody is thinking in their head, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's rude. You know, and everybody knows it's rude, but at the same time, you know that Lizzie's like, oh, thank goodness. You really shouldn't have done that, but I'm really glad that you did. Exactly. Because otherwise, we could have been here for a long time. Yeah. Lydia was bid by her two eldest sisters to hold her tongue. So you can definitely see, you know, Lizzie and Jane are like, okay, Lydia, Mr. Collins is trying to read to us, but you know they're not enjoying it either. <laughs> so in addition to Lydia Bennett, another person who had problems with Fordyce's sermons was Mary Wollstonecraft of Vindication of the Rights of Women. Wollstonecraft was a critic of Fordyce's sermons, specifically his focus on attention from men being the ultimate reward. This is why you're behaving properly. It's not even about like, oh, you should be modest and and do these things because you want to for yourself. It's you are doing this because it's all about what is going to be good for these guys and what they're looking for in a wife, in a daughter, all of that. Like you said, you know, it's all about being auxiliary to to the men. And, and just the whole idea of it's always a woman's fault if a man is unhappy. She really kind of took umbrage with that whole concept. Yeah. You know, here's just a small moment where from the vindication of rights of woman, where she actually overtly calls out Fordyce. So here's from her, her work. Dr. Fordyce's sermons have long made a part of a young woman's library. Nay, girls at school are allowed to read them, but I should instantly dismiss them from my pupils if I wish to strengthen her understanding by leading her to form sound principles on a broad basis. So she's like, okay, if I were in charge of women's education, Fordyce's sermons going out the window immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Defenestration for this book. Yes. Just gone. Another cultural example, calling back to last week's episode where we talked about Richard Sheridan's 1775 play, The Rivals, There are some scholars who think that Austen had Sheridan's character Lydia Languish in mind as she was writing Lydia Bennett. I just love this, this connection. So not only does Lydia Languish use Fordyce's sermons as a way to hide her novel reading, which we referenced with last week, but she has also been so uninterested in the text that she and her maid Lucy have been using pages from the sermons for curling papers, which is absolutely (laughs) hilarious. So here's that little brief section from the play. So Lydia is saying to her maid, Here, my dear Lucy, hide these books. Quick, quick. 
Fling Peregrine Pickle under the toilet. Throw Roderick Random into the closet. Put the innocent adultery into the whole duty of man. Thrust Lord Aimworth under the sofa. Cram Ovid behind the bolster. There, put the man of feeling into your pocket. So, now, lay Mrs. Chapone in sight and leave Fordyce's sermon open on the table. And then her, her maid <laughs> says, Oh, I burnt it, Mom. The hairdresser was, tor- was torn away as far as proper pride. And Lydia says, never mind, open it to sobriety. So like they, they have been like slowly pulling out multiple pages of this. And so, so you know, they have to <laughs> open it to like the last pages of the book to find an open section that's not been kind of desecrated at this point. <laughs> and it's worth mentioning that this play is from 1775, which we already mentioned. But the reason I want to point that out is it shows just how quickly the book had started to decline in popularity. This is less than 10 years after Fordyce's Sermons was first published. It's already become a punchline. Yeah, absolutely. And even though we don't know for sure that Austen is pulling this specifically from the rivals, we do know that she actually was aware of Sheridan's plays. And I love that in in reciprocation, Sheridan actually read Pride and Prejudice and said that it was one of the cleverest things he had ever read. So there's a lot of like reciprocity between those two authors that I think is really interesting. I love that. So yeah, this whole idea of women's conduct, feminine virtue, I think those are those are things that come up repeatedly in Austen's novels that, you know, you can draw those connections with multiple characters. Yeah. Definitely things that we will be unpacking more in future episodes, but we really just wanted to do like a little bit of a kind of mini deep dive into this very specific reference of Fordyce's sermons today. Right. Well, and if and if you're interested in reading some of these sermons, they are available on on Google Books as well as like there there's it's an open open resource. You can find us on Instagram at the thing about Austin and on Twitter at Austin underscore things. You can also check out our website, thethingaboutaustin.com, and email us at thethingaboutaustin at gmail.com. And please consider subscribing to or following the podcast on whatever app you use. And specifically, if you're on Apple Podcasts, hit that five stars button or maybe even leave a positive review. Mm-hmm. Pretty please. We always appreciate it. <laughs> And we wanted to share this review from listener Want Doctor Who, I mean, who doesn't, in Canada, who says, love this podcast. This podcast is well-researched, funny, and fills the very edges of my soul. Oh, I love that. What a nice compliment. Stay tuned for next episode, where we'll be talking about Anne Elliott's newspapers with our guest, Catherine Cowley. Thanks for listening. Bye.